Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler free. I'm your host, Aaron White, and Happy New Year. It is 2023, and this is our first new release review episode of the show, and I am excited to talk about two new films on this show. I also want to share a couple of bits of news in case you haven't listened to the past couple of episodes. We have had the awesome pleasure of joining the Now Playing Network that is run by Chicago film critic Jim Lexowski, and we are super excited and delighted to be a part of this amazing network of shows that are almost entirely dedicated to entertainment coverage of some kind. Feel free to check them all out. They do great work, and we can't wait to partner with them in new ways as the year goes on. Again, that is now playing Network, Feel and Film, one of the newest members of it, and very, very grateful. The other awesome bit of news to share is that just this week, we found out that Rotten Tomatoes has approved Feel and Film as an outlet. So soon you will see these review episodes posted on the tomato meter with an official rating and an official score there as well. That is something that we have been trying to achieve for years. It's something that has always been a dream and it doesn't happen without you. And so I just want to say first and foremost, the the important thing here is that you listen and we are so grateful for you giving your time to us, for you wanting to come along for this ride, wanting to hear what I have to say, wanting to hear Patrick and I go into deep dives about movies, wanting to hear us make silly lists of the things that we like more than others. But we also thank you for your reviews of the show, your ratings of the show, sharing the show, and all of those things that have helped us get to the place that we are today. And it's something that we will never, ever take for granted. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of the Feelin Film family. Okay, with that out of the way, we will get back to what we do best here, which is moving right along and not wasting your time. The first film I'm going to talk about is Megan from Universal Pictures. It stars Allison Williams, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Ching, and Brian Jordan Alvarez. It is directed by Gerard Johnstein and written by Akila Cooper, produced by Jason Bloom and James Wan under the Bloomhouse Productions and Atomic Monster Productions banners alongside Divide and Conquer. What's it about? Gemma, a brilliant roboticist at a toy company, uses artificial intelligence to develop Megan, which stands for Model 3 Generative Android. Megan is a lifelike doll programmed to be a child's greatest companion and a parent's greatest ally. After unexpectedly gaining custody of her niece, Katie, Gemma enlists the help of the Megan prototype, a decision that has horrific consequences when the doll becomes self-aware. Now, in the lengthy history of movies about AI becoming self-aware, there are usually two primary tonal directions that a story will take. Either it veers into action-packed, tense, thriller, or even like a bloody revolt horror film, or 
it quietly examines the existential nature of being in a more serious and dramatic way. You may think Megan looks like Child's Play meets Terminator, but it's really not. (laughs) This is way more of a comedy film than both of those. There is almost no blood whatsoever, and every single kill I can think of, save one, and I almost don't even want to say save one because it's so clean, but they all happen off screen. It's the idea of people dying that we see, not any sort of actual death or dismemberment. There is one gnarly moment of a body part getting absolutely worked by the doll, but even that comes off equally as hilarious looking as it does horrifying. I say this to help set your expectations right from the start, because if you're looking for a new lifelike murder doll rampage, that is not what this movie cares the most about, and that is not the kind of story that you're going to get. It certainly goes there plot-wise, but you're not going to get to see it in action. It's only all implied. When Megan, who is played by Jamie Donald and voiced wonderfully by Jenna Davis, by the way, uh, the perfect blend of sinister and sweet in her voice. So when Megan meets young Katie, who is staying with creator Gemma, the robotic American girl instantly becomes her best friend. She does exactly what Gemma wanted, which is to learn from Katie and adapt so that she can become both her protector and plaything after she pairs with her new primary user. Of course, that's always going to go wrong. And it doesn't take too long before the relationship between young Katie and the doll becomes a bit too serious and starts undermining and eventually overriding Gemma's authority. This largely happens because of Gemma allowing Megan to do the parenting. A dig at the many parents who prioritize other things like screen time or toys in order to have their kids' attention held by something that doesn't require them to put out any effort. This is one of several reoccurring themes that the script takes shots at. It's also got some commentary on the greed of tech companies and targeted marketing to kids. Once Megan starts feeling like her budding new best friendship is threatened, however, things begin to escalate as the loyalty mode kicks in. And from that point on, it becomes kind of a battle to see if this creation has indeed become smarter and stronger than its creator. And if its creator can recognize what is happening and stop this new production announcement that she has set in motion, lest it become something that is dangerous, not just to her own perfect little circle, but the entire world. While the movie is not particularly scary at all, it is often pretty darn funny. The pack theater that I saw it with was having an absolute blast, and it's hard not to get caught up in that environment and have a lot of fun. When people next to you start laughing, you kind of just go along with it a lot more comfortably than you might if you were watching this by yourself. The way Megan talks 
the animatronic moves that the doll makes, and even the multiple clever needle drops throughout all feel very designed specifically to help clips of this film go viral on TikTok. She is a modern and relatable character. She knows the current lingo and social norms, and I have no doubt that many will probably even be sympathetic to some of her actions as well. That's typically an interesting conversation to have when it comes to a rogue AI, but sadly, there's very little depth here. Time is not invested in deeply understanding the how or the why. This is a romp, plain and simple. Megan is glossy and expressive, cute, but she just simply evolves at a rapid pace because the plot says that she needs to in order to move things along. And that allows for a lot of fun, very marketable interactions for the studio to occur. Megan is the kind of movie that will almost certainly have you smiling throughout it. You'll be laughing at its low-hanging fruit jokes. You'll be cheering as bullies get their comeuppance. And ever so briefly, you might even feel a tug at the heartstrings over some of the film's tragic moments. You might also be constantly creeped out by the eerie photorealism of the doll. I know that I sure was. It was created quite brilliantly using a multi-tiered approach of a real actor and animatronics plus CGI. But the relationships are so shallow. Megan herself is fairly uninteresting and devoid of any real unique qualities. And the sci-fi is so surface level that you won't likely remember it or care about it at all in a few months. So go to the theater now with a big crowd. Enjoy it so you can be in on the joke, I guess. Megan is not going to live on in any meaningful way because it has such an extreme lack of bite. But we all know that the good memes never die. Megan will be available in theaters on January the 6th. And if you can't get my drift already, I definitely think it is worth checking out with the right expectations in place. This is PG-13 stuff through and through, not a rated R movie. Well, next up is The Pale Blue Eye from Netflix. It stars Christian Bale, Harry Melling, Gillian Anderson, Lucy Boynton, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Toby Jones, Harry Lottie, Simon McBurney, Timothy Spall, and Robert Duvall. It is directed and written by Scott Cooper, adapted from the 2003 novel of the same name by Lewis Baird, produced by Cross Creek Pictures. What's it about? The fictional story of veteran detective Augustus Landor, who in 1830, West Point, New York, investigates a series of murders at the United States Military Academy with the aid of Edgar Allan Poe, a young military cadet. I love stories like this about imagined history. What fun! They take a character that we are familiar with and they put them in an interesting situation and let us pretend what might have happened. Edgar Allan Poe did, in fact, attend West Point. And so, briefly, <clears throat> Edgar Allan Poe did, in fact, attend West Point. 
ever so briefly. The story goes that he quickly realized cadet life was not for him. And as someone who reluctantly spent over 15 years in the military myself, I can tell you that that's not surprising. I knew plenty of folks who very quickly did whatever they could to get out of the decision that they had made. And that's what Edgar did. He quit going to chapel and classes in order to get himself kicked out. So this film takes that idea, this snapshot of his time at the United States Military Academy, and it basically creates a hypothetical, formative experience behind Poe's actions and also hints at potential inspirations for his later famous writings. As for the role of Edgar Allan Poe, it was reportedly first offered to Timothy Chalamet, who had worked previously with both Cooper and Christian Bale in Hostiles. But Timmy declined in order to star in Wonka instead, which I personally like, but I could absolutely see Chalamet here as well. It would just be a very different movie. I honestly wonder if Chalamet might have brought out a little more in Christian Bale, and I'll get to that in a second. The actor that does play Edgar Allan Poe is Harry Melling. You may not know the name, but he famously portrayed Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter franchise. He's just all grown up now. I found his performance to be astonishing, to be honest. He doesn't have any sort of whimsy and charisma, which is what I think Chalamet might have brought. He is instead eccentric, and he presents Poe as pretty manic at times, and he's very believable. He's a a man who is captivated by macabre mysteries. He always has his head stuck in a book, and he is frequently picked on by his more typically macho and financially well-off fellow cadets. And he's also very sweet and caring, but uncomfortable around girls. Bale, on the other hand, plays a detective called to investigate this initial grisly murder of a student. His character is full of pathos. It's it's more of an emotional, mourning sort of performance. He is suffering from great familial loss that he cannot seem to get past and he's damn good at his job and when the two team up they make for really an interesting pair it almost has a light father and son element to it in some ways but that's not something that is ever really explored bale gives a performance that i I just don't think is among his best it's not among his worst it's solid. It works for this film and the film's mood. He is not exaggerative. He is not boisterous in any way, and he just doesn't stand out. Bale's character, Augustus Landor, is reluctant to help the Academy, though, for reasons that will come into focus over time as he and Poe begin to solve this case, and it presents itself at first, as a very small issue, and it grows into something that becomes a much deeper theme throughout the film, and sort of almost like a subplot that is running concurrently 
with the main story of trying to figure out who done it. It's a very slow burn mystery that flirts with supernatural circumstances alongside its serial killer vibes. And I think that that might be a challenge for some. I've heard other folks call this very slow and boring, somewhat surprised that I didn't react that way. I did find that the relative ease at which the puzzles are deduced can honestly feel somewhat unsatisfying. I think the story can drag at times, and depending on your tolerance for gloom, you may feel that this weighs heavier on you than you like. The big mystery reveal moment additionally comes across with a bit too much camp and bombast for my taste. Jillian Anderson is just dialing it up to 11, and she will either annoy you or you will find her performance fascinating. But I feel at times like she's in a completely different movie. But sticking it through to the end of this provides the film's best overall acting moment between Bale and Melling. It is incredibly powerful and emotional and somewhat of a surprise. And it offers a majorly effective story payoff that will make a repeat viewing all the richer, in my opinion. There isn't much blood aside from one or two key scenes. Most of the violence, much like Megan, happens off screen and is just implied, or we see the aftermath of it. This is a Scott Cooper picture, though, so it is at all times bleak. It's a story that challenges the viewer's own morality as well, resulting in a thought-provoking and emotional experience, which ultimately I found myself to be very much engaged with. And really, it was just the whole mood and vibe and the aesthetic that sucked me in and held me there attentively. The cold, dark, snowy, haunting, gothic, 1800s New England atmosphere is incredibly rendered here through costuming, cinematography, and Howard Shore and his absolutely eerie, beautiful score. So it's not a perfect movie by any means, but there is a lot to like about The Pale Blue Eye. This film will be streaming on Netflix on January the 6th. And for mystery lovers, for those who enjoy the works of Poe and anything with a sort of gothic tone to it, I definitely think this is something that you should fire up and watch from the comfort of your couch. Probably good with the fireplace on in the background. That would make it even better. Well, that's it for this week on FF+. Plus. Thank you again for listening. Hopefully I've given you some information that will help you in your decision making. If you ever do see any of the films that I review on the show, please let me know. Find me on social media at Aaron L. White, that's A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. You can find links to all of the show's socials, all of my socials, in the show notes to every episode. And don't forget to check out nowplayingnetwork.net as well. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.